Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Once I induce transmission, your minds will be immediately beamed into this dark valley. Is it gonna hurt? The chances are better than 50%. That's comforting. Really? I didn't think so. Would you like me to count to three? Will that help? No, not at all. Let's just get it over with. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 108 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, also from Next Level, I'm Rob Martin. And we're getting close to the end of the seasons for yeah. uh, for Arrow everything. this week. Arrow this week, Flash next week, man. Yeah, and then Supergirl. We still got a couple more weeks. Yeah, uh, mid June, mid June. I think, so yeah, I think probably like six or seven more episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think we've got yeah, like I said, just a little bit of time, but uh, that means we got to start planning our not our filler, but our uh, additional pieces to those Supergirl episodes. So we'll probably try to have a list up probably in the next week or two. So well, that way, if you guys want to be able to watch along for whatever we're going to review, we'll make sure we get that ready. Yeah, uh, six more episodes of Supergirl, but you know it's we have plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, oh, absolutely! We still got to cover Ninja Batman. We still have to cover Suicide Squad. We have to cover the latest chapter of, well, at least my opinion of the latest chapter of um, Telltale, Telltale Batman. And probably by next week, I will finally be caught up on Young Justice. Oh God, I have. A- Let's give me a couple of weeks because it's been a while since I've watched season two. So <laughs> I'll I, go back and refinish season two a second time. Yeah, I'm no, just, not I'm second, a, probably third. I'm about six episodes in the season two. I've been I started it this week. So oh, it's so good. Uh, it is so far. It's it's really good. I love the introductions of the new characters, and um, I like the invasion storyline so far. So, um, 
yeah, so we'll see. But the, we still we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and of course, we're going to take recommendations from you guys as well as the stuff you want to hear us talk about, not just over the course of the next couple of weeks as we fill in time for the shows that have wrapped up, but over the summer as well. Even though our summer's a little shorter because of Supergirl running so late. Yeah, we got to figure out if we're going to do a uh, a another Silver Age or Golden Age spectacular. Um, that that's uh, usually if it means summer, that usually means we'll get at least one of those in somewhere. So. Yeah, not to mention the fact that we have to do our annuals at some point. Where oh uh, god, yeah. So yeah, we got plenty. Plenty to cover, guys. Yeah. So, uh, For those of you that are new to the podcast that just started listening over the course of like, the past month or two, uh, yeah, over the course of the summer, each week we talk about each those particular week's episodes. But over the summer, we do what we call our annuals, and we take the entire season as a whole, and we focus, and we talk about the highs, we talk about the lows, our favorite characters, our least favorite characters, favorite storyline favorite you know episodes we cover it all so you can expect four episodes over the course of the summer in which we'll be doing annuals of supergirl the flash arrow and black lightning and we it all depends on if you get caught up as well maybe we'll talk a little gotham yeah um i I can say it right now more than likely that won't happen it's (laughs) not that i i'm not I don't enjoy the show. It's just I generally have no idea when that would happen for me because there's just I'm so far behind in a whole bunch of stuff. And that unfortunately is just not high up on my list right now. Yeah. Um, I, I usually when we get to this point in time in the season, while as exciting as the finales are, one of the best parts is not having to consume four hours of TV that sometimes you may not be in the mood for, you know, and having to kind of squeeze it in. Not to say I don't enjoy these shows. I absolutely adore these shows. But you, when you do it as kind of like a second job, <laughs> yeah, like you have a tendency to wait a little bit. So usually after we wrap up, my cons- uh, my consumption of superhero related anything usually goes to a minimum. And then when it gets like ready for like season start, I've got that like buzz again, and I'm ready to rock. So no, I hear you completely. Like this is honestly one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, one because we get those little breaks from watching these shows on a regular basis that we're supposed to, but two because of all these shows that we watch on a regular basis, not just the ones we talk about on this podcast, but ones we watch for fandom ourselves outside of the realm of DC. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, since all these shows are wrapping up, this is my favorite time of year because this is the time I get to get caught up on other things. As I mentioned, you know, I'm, I started watching Young Justice. There's another series that I know we both watched that we've raved about that we'll talk about a little bit later because it's our recommendation of the week. Uh, and, you know, and I get to watch a lot of movies that I've been putting mm-hmm. off. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like I haven't even like one of my favorite sci-fi shows I've ever seen has been Westworld. I have not watched a single episode of this season yet, and I'm like, I think I'm just going to wait until it's done and just tear through the whole thing. And that's an easy one, too, because it's only 10 episodes. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still 10 hours, but it's still – that's easy to do over the course of like a week. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, no, but I, I hear you completely. So I while – I miss talking about these shows on a regular basis over the summer. I love the summer because it's my chance to kind of catch a little break. And, uh, you know, but even though even when our annuals come up, we still have to do our research. We got to go back and we'll rewatch a couple episodes here. We won't go back and rewatch the entire season. Usually Uh, it's a wiki read of like, what was this season again? I forget this bit. What episode did I really hate? And I'm like, 
<laughs> and that and, con- and that'll constitute rewatching a couple episodes of this. Yeah, episode. absolutely. Checking a couple moments again and seeing like some of the better moments and like, and I then know. obviously making our predictions for next year, which is always one of our our favorite parts of doing those annuals. Yeah. So. And I know for I know for a fact one of the things I've I've been meaning to do, I've been saying it for a while and I've been meaning to do it for a while. I'll rewatch and I'll rewatch Crisis on Earth X. Mhm. Because I I as much as I loved it and we raved about it, I haven't watched it since it aired. Yeah, um, I can say this. Uh, I think I know at least we may have one guest. I actually didn't even tell you this yet, uh, but it sounds like Brian Glein's going to join us maybe nice. in a couple weeks after things wrap up. And, uh, you know, while, while maybe we're just talking Supergirl, uh, we'll just do our Supergirl review. But he's got a couple new books that he actually has finished doing, like he's been doing some comics on the side. So if you used to listen to uh, DCR, uh, me and him try to keep in touch pretty frequently just to. A month, like every month or two, we'll drop each other a line just to say hi and see how things are going. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's. I was like, man, we just need to get you back on. You can just tell people what you've been up to. I know a lot of our listeners came to us from them, so so uh, I, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Sean in probably about a year. But if we can get Sean and Brian, man, we'll do it up. But if not, I could guarantee you, Brian definitely said he would be more than happy to jump in and just, you know, uh, just. Uh, Choose some, uh, choose some air, and we can just uh, see what's going on in his world, and see what if he's been checking out anything comic book related or reading anything special, and you guys can get a kind of a little old school DCR update. So yeah, no, no, that'd be cool. And of course, uh, as we did around the hundredth, you know, we had some interviews from some of the guests, or from some of the stars of the shows. Uh, you know, we talked to David Harrowwood from Supergirl, Tom Welling from Smallville, and from Lucifer, and um, you know, we talked to John Wesley Ship from The Flash. I'm going to be working on them for the summer too. So uh, you're going to get your fill of the podcast over the course of the summer while these shows are on break. So don't think that we take a break over the summer because we don't. We still bring you a weekly show every week, and it'll be full. So, Yeah, it may not be a two-hour show. It may not be an hour and a half, but I'm pretty sure you're going to definitely always get at least an hour out of us every week. <laughs> yeah, because there, ta- there are times we, we try to keep it to an hour, and we can't do it. <laughs> yeah, even when we're talking about one show, and it still goes on for two hours sometimes. If you've listened to this show for more than a couple months, you know that's a fact. Yes, so. <laughs> a popular phrase between us, and I even thought about putting it on a shirt at the, at a time. It's, this is going to be a short show, dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it never happens. No, um, I think we've done one that was like maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about this week's shows. Uh, let's right. get down to business and and get to it. We are recording on Mother's Day after all, so we do have some other things that we have to take care of outside of this uh, this world. But let's talk about we have three shows to talk about, that being Supergirl, the penultimate to Arrow, and uh, the – I don't know if there's a name for the penultimate penultimate uh, of The Flash, but that's what we'll call it. Is the penultimate. All penultimate's Eve. There, there we go. <laughs> penultimate's Eve. Uh, but let's start first with our one of three point ranking of each episode, starting uh, with Supergirl. Uh, we'll give them a sidekick, hero, or legend, starting with Supergirl season three, episode seventeen. Sidekick, hero, or legend for this one? I actually am gonna go legend. I didn't think I was going to. Uh, it was kind of funny. I started watching the episode uh, a couple nights ago, and um, there was a streaming issue, and I wasn't able to finish it up. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go back. 
start again and i'm like apparently i missed a plot point somewhere so i had to rewatch the episode from scratch and i'm really happy i did because the plot point i missed was massive so uh (laughs) uh but i will say after thinking about the episode more and more i'm gonna have to give it a legend even though there's some things that didn't hit quite right for me but i still think it was strong enough that it overshadowed my issues cool yeah, I'm going legend on this one as well. I thought there was a lot of a lot of stuff that came out of this. A lot of interesting stuff that I didn't think we were going to see happen. Um or if we did see happen, I thought it would be closer to the end of the season. Yeah, and that's I think where what I'm talking about too. So Yeah, and it's it's going to be one of those things that I'm very it has left me intrigued as to how these remaining 6 episodes are going to play out. So uh, I'm excited for the way this season is going to close. But yeah, it's a, it's a legend for me as well. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 21, Sidekick Hero or Legend. I got to say this right off the bat. This is a very middling hero at best. Um, not that I didn't enjoy seeing Amunet Black uh, come you know back to the fold. She is a great character, and Katie Sackhoff has been a really kind of wonderful, you know, villain for them to play off of in the way that like Leonard Snart was but man this felt like a throwaway episode with three episodes to go and that was not a wise move in my in my mind so no I'm I'm right there with you throwaway are the two words that I that peak in my mind and uh you know for an episode that we had so much fun with the Council of Wells so you know earlier in this season thinking that it was going to be coming back around with the Harry and the Harrisons and the Council of Harrisons, I thought this was going to be like another light, fun episode. But we had no DeVoe, no mechanic. None of the villains of the season are in it. Um, it, it does progress the main storyline a little bit. A little bit. It's one of the main reasons why we see Amunet Black return. But yeah, it, it just felt like a throwaway. Yeah, it really felt like it fizzled out. There was a couple fun moments, not to lie. But I, I will say, yeah, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and lastly... Oh, I gave it I gave it a mid hero as well. Uh, and lastly, we have Arrow season six, episode 22, the penultimate episode of the season sidekick hero or legend. I'm going to go very high hero on this one. It was really close to crossing that legend uh, le- like legend line, but it didn't quite do it. Uh, but still really good episode. Uh, I think it left us with a great moment for like that cliffhanger moment, though, for the penultimate. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the finale this week. Me too. Um, you know, I said earlier that I was I was on the same boat of, you know, high hero, but just for the sake of being different, I'm going to let it cross that line and all and I'm going to put it into low legend. Um, the main reason why I didn't give it a legend is because there's one character or I, I didn't initially give it a legend is because there's one character that still kind of drags it down. And we've talked about it before. And we'll talk about it more as we break the episode down. But there's one character that still just, God, irks me every time I, I see I, this character. I, I still can't look past it, which is why I got the score cut. And, and and that's why I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to, for the sake of the show, I'm going to look past it. And I'm going to, because without this character, it's absolutely a legend episode. So I'm, I'm going to look, I'm going to try my best to look past it. And I'm going to bump it just over the line in the legend. Okay. So, uh, all right, let's go back and break down each episode, talk about 
what we thought, and we'll start first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 17, titled Trinity. Still reeling after learning about Lena's secret, Supergirl asks Guardian for a favor that could alter his relationship with Lena forever. Meanwhile, with all three world killers united, Supergirl and the team brace for an epic battle. Uh, IMDb gave this an 8.2 out of 10, so this is legend territory for them as well. Um, some pretty straightforward episodes this week. I, I took some notes on, on the episodes. At least I tried. All of my notes, but with the exception of two, came from Supergirl. I have, yeah. no, I have no notes on Legend. I have two small things on The Flash, and everything else came from Supergirl. So this, this episode was the highlight of everything this week, of all three episodes. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think that was a question. And one thing that I love that they peeled back... We got a little bit more on the uh, the world killers and kind of finding out that they're basically Kryptonian dark witches, which was kind of something cool. I really liked the fact that they're like there's a little bit of magic involved, which is great because, you know, what is one of Superman and Supergirl's biggest weaknesses? Magic. And I really like that they added that little twist there. Yeah. And it makes them a little bit scarier now just because of that. Uh and when I say it makes them, uh, that changes to it just makes Rain a lot scarier by episode's end. <laughs> because um, let's not even bury the lead on this one. Uh, we see the untimely death of two of the world killers in this episode, which was amazingly unexpected. Uh, which is, I'm sure, what you were alluding to earlier. Things that we didn't expect to see now with six episodes still to go. Yeah, and, and that's exactly the the moment that I was like, okay. I was like, I don't know where they're going with this, but that was kind of awesome to see. Is we see the world killers kind of, in a way, turn on each other and and kill each other. I mean, we see, um, uh, we we know that uh, Pestilence, who was Doctor Grace Parker, uh, Grace is gone. I know that's a Dave Matthews band song, so forgive the pun. But um, yeah, we see Grace is is gone and Pestilence has taken over fully. But we do kind of see a redemption in purity in which Julia is able to take over. Uh, the same way that we saw Sam do a little bit earlier in the episode when it came to rain. And in essence, it wasn't purity versus Pestilence. It was Julia versus Pestilence. Mm -hmm. And they end up taking each other out. They end up killing each other. Um, so we see that the world killers have been ha are gone, but um, you know what that sets up for the remaining six episodes. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Is now Rain is a much scarier character because it looks like the abilities that they had, whether it's the abilities or just the power, uh, have been absorbed by Rain. Yeah, it was kind of like you saw their essence kind of come out of their body and then pour into Rain, and again, your brain is just kind of like. Well, that's kind of terrifying. And yeah. <laughs> I, and it's very much seems and appears by episode's end that Sam is wiped out. Like, or there's not much of her left at all mentally. Like, she's, like, hanging on by a thread. So I, I, I have a feeling the, where, where this could go for the next several weeks is going to be really just very enjoyable. This is so much fun to watch Supergirl have a great villain for the first time in three years. Like one that is like generally like somebody that can go toe to toe. It doesn't feel incredibly generic and they made it a very multifaceted villain and it works and it's working great. Really, really proud of the show for finally learning its lesson and executing it. I think at this point in time, just about flawlessly. I think they're really, really hitting the nail on the head. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And it's it's one of those things that we've seen other villains, but you know, 
you're right. The, the villains that we've seen in the last two seasons were kind of lackluster. And this one, unlike, uh, you know, perhaps Arrow, Flash have Flash has been good with setting up their villain early this season. Uh, you know, Arrow kind of waited to the last minute to kind of set up Richard Dragon or Richard Diaz as you know, their villain, but Supergirl has been pretty consistent throughout setting it up. I think almost from the beginning of this season since episode one and, and pushing it forward and building it up so much so that we still have this episode felt like it almost could be a penultimate and we still have six episodes left. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, like, you know, we're definitely going to get a couple throwaways in the mix. I mean, usually probably about with six more to go. I would say we'll probably have at least another two that'll, uh, slow things down to a crawl a little bit here and there, or just maybe it just let us get a chance to breathe. But I think we're in for a pretty wild ride. Yeah. So. Well, I can tell you right now, next week is not going to be a throwaway. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the promos, but I'm, you know, reading the description of next week. I know it's not going to be a throwaway. So we're going to get a continuation of this, uh, you know, pushing forward as, as the future of this goes through. But you're right. I, I could see one, maybe two throwaway episodes in the next six, and hopefully they get them out of the way early so that, you know, we'll get one more story progressing episode next week. Maybe get those throwaways out of the way after that, you know, do one or two throwaways after that, and then take those last three episodes and just drive that nail home and, man, finish this season on a solid high. Yeah, I I think it's going to be pretty damn awesome, and I'm definitely excited. But one of the things I got to say is, you know, in that big fight where we see – uh you know, the Legion and, you know, uh, the DEO, including, you know, with Supergirl going into the fray uh, to take down the world killers and kind of bring the fight to them. We see one character get a bit of an upgrade. Oh, my uh, God. I have that as a note, too. And it's basically my note is Alex gets a badass upgrade. Yeah. And I love that little moment with Wynn <laughs> just stopping her. It's kind of like, hey, you know, uh, everybody's got like their abilities and such. And uh you know what? Just you're welcome. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> but it was awesome. I mean, again, very similar to her normal suit, because kind of a few more bells and whistles. My guess is, you know, it's something that's at least strong enough for her to be able to help kind of take on the world killers. But uh, that gun, uh, which was kind of interesting, because this kind of goes into another point of things happening in this episode. Um, and before we get into, you know, her gun, uh, let's kind of take a sideline off to the side and talk a little bit about Lena because there's kind of some mentally conflicting issues I have, which maybe kept this at about an eight, but it was because of this reason. Okay. So we do find out, um, that Lena was using kryptonite to keep, uh, Sam, uh, locked in place when she was in Lex's old lap in the, that bunker. So not just kryptonite, um, but kryptonite she created. Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to get to is we find out early on. She said it was stuff she inherited from Lex and it was the last of it. And, uh, you know, Kara obviously has some serious issues with Lena through this episode because of the fact that she's holding on to kryptonite. Uh, And you definitely see uh, some serious issues happen between those two characters throughout this course of this episode. Which very much makes sense. One of the things for the last time we saw Clark, it was about you. Ha- the DEO has kryptonite, and that's not okay uh, with them getting rid of all that stuff. But now we're in a really unique and interesting place where Kara now has to make a call and says, uh, we got to make sure she doesn't have more of this stuff. And, you know, it's that whole idea. She's still a Luther. Who knows what else is there? And when it gets down to it, she asks Guardian to break into the bunker, and James 
breaks in and has a, you know, second thoughts about doing it and ends up not looking into it at all, which I thought was very interesting. And it really changed James's character, especially when we get to the end of the episode, because he actively states to Lena Luther that he is guardian and he apologized exactly for what happened. And he's just like, I didn't look because I trust you. And then she reveals, as you just mentioned, that it wasn't Lex's. She knows how to create kryptonite. Yeah. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that at this point in time. Um, yeah, I don't really know either. It's and, you know, it, the, the episode starts off right from the beginning with the truth coming out um, from Lena's end, you know, about everything about Sam, how she was taking care of her. Sam came to her for help. Uh, and there were a lot of good points made in, in that conversation in that, you know, you know, Supergirl confronts Lena and say, you didn't tell us about this. And she's like, well, I was using my lab. I was using my technology for somebody who came to me for help. You never told me you were part of this organization. You know, that doesn't exist technically. So there were some good points on both sides. You can kind of see both sides of the argument. But yeah, when it comes down to that part at the end, I was kind of surprised. Well, I that's a lie. I wasn't really surprised that Jimmy, when he reports back to to, uh, to win or James when he reports back to Wynn and says, you know, the 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 vault is empty. Right. Um, I was expecting a scene at the end where we were going to see Lena open the vault and we were going to see a ton of kryptonite. Um, actually, it could have gone either way. We could have seen a ton of kryptonite or we could have seen the vault truly be empty because that's the way this character has been playing out lately is they've done it brilliantly is that you still don't really know you want to believe that she's good but she is a luther so you could there's still those instances that she couldn't she could be lying right so i i think it's a good thing that she was very open at the end and she very freely willed that information to james without lying about it but i find it very interesting that she somehow has a a formula to create kryptonite and while we're on that note, there was another interesting thing that happens in this episode that I'm curious on your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. And it's making me wonder about something that it could potentially be setting up for either the future or it could just be an Easter egg. Lena was very familiar on how to use the Legion ship. Yeah, which was I'm very interesting. Now, my take on that, is that the Legion ship, uh, because I kind of got a glimpse of this at one point in the episode, is when they're on the ship, you can see at, at, at a couple different times in one scene, you can see the Legion kind of symbol in the back, the L with the star. Right. And the first time I saw that, I was like, what is Luther? To- oh, wait, it's not Luther. It's Legion. What if the Legion technology is Luther Corp technology That's in what the was- future? Yeah, there was there was that moment real quick because they kind of lingered on, you know, the Legion ring symbol, which, you know, we've seen a ton of times on the show already. But you're right. This is the first time I also had that theory. And I'm like, what if Elcor is responsible for the creation of the Legion Uh, or their tech is very much what they use? And I thought that was kind of a brilliant idea. And that's kind of showing that there's a lot more to Lena than we, we don't know yet. And I'm actually really excited about that. I think Katie McGrath has been such a great presence on the show. And I'm really, really happy that they're getting a chance to play with that more and more. Yeah. Um, but tying back into what I was saying originally with that whole kryptonite. Yeah, angle, sorry. I kind of took a sidebar there. <coughs> oh, no, you're quite OK. A sidebar uh, to the sidebar. Yeah, no. It, it, but like you said, we know there is a concern about kryptonite. 
jumping back to Alex and her ammunition, is red sun ammo. Isn't that just as detrimental <laughs> to Kara in a fight in that close quarters? Because those shots were going off and they were like explosions of red suns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that not bother you just a little it, bit? It, it irked me a little bit, but I kind of let it. <laughs> I kind of let it go because oh, it was cool as hell. But at the same time, I'm like, Car was awful close to that shot. Like, yeah, really close to that shot. And I just love the scene a little bit later when when she's talking to John back at the DEO, and she's like, you know, I have new bullets. I'm pretty sure they'll work on you too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, um, but it was still really cool, and it was still uh, you know. Seeing Alex actually, because that's been one of the things for a while is that everybody who's a human, whether, you know, and doesn't really have these special abilities, with the exception of Alex, you've kind of seen them take, um, you know, the guy in the in the chair kind of aspect, like when James has Guardian, so he's he's been on the forefront a couple times, but Alex... She's kind of like the Black Widow of the DEO. She has a lot of special abilities, but there's nothing really overly superhuman about her. And which is one of the reasons I was really glad seeing her get this upgrade now, because that means when it comes down to this final battle between Rain and and Supergirl, Alex can play a part in this now. Absolutely. So I, I, I loved I loved the whole scene of her getting the upgrade. I oh man, I mean you just think about the last couple of years and just some of the armor and things that she had. Like she had the kryptonite armor, like going back a couple of seasons and she's just had a, the opportunity to have a ton of awesome moments. So I, I'm really happy that they're giving her something that she'll have normally to be able to kind of get into the, into the fray a little bit more in some of the uh, actual big bad fights and which is a smart move. Like they didn't give her superpowers, but they're saying, here you go. Here's something that'll help you at least hold your own. And that's fine. I, it's not like, you know, every member of, of the show all of a sudden becoming a superhero. It's just, they're doing the right things they need to do for a soldier that's in this crazy world fighting aliens. And it worked fine. And I think what they did here was great. And I'm very happy that they did play around with that a bit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm of the same of uh, the same milk of that too. So I'm I'm again, this is an episode that felt like it could have been a penultimate and it played out that way by the end. And it's really not. There's still six more episodes left. So it, that gets me just thinking about that gets me really excited for the way this season is going to play out and finish off. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, what? I, I don't know what your line of the week was this week. I have it. Uh, it's from Supergirl. Uh, can I, I'm, I'm going to see if I have it. Sure. Because my thought process is, is this what exercise feels like? Why do you people do this? <laughs> no, it's not. That was close. But <laughs> The line of the week was when they're getting ready to enter in the subconscious world, which we still have to talk about a little bit. Um, You know, the three of them are getting geared up and Alex is like, is this going to hurt? And he's like, I estimate about 53%. And Alex is and Alex says, oh, well, that's comforting. He's like, really? I didn't think so. Think so. (laughs) And then the next line was, would you like me to count to three? Will it help? No, not at all. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> so that that is what I anybody who's listening has already heard it. That is what I chose as the line of the week this week. There was another good brainy one too, and this is kind of like, let me get this right. You want me to do this, 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 this? Sure, no problem. And I was just—he's such a fun character. I wish they would have the ability to use him just a little bit more. But you know what? I'm glad we're starting to see more and more of Brainy. So, well, my curiosity leading into next season, and it's really going to be distinguished as to how this plays out, is now that uh, Pestilence is gone. Their mission is technically over. So, right. uh, and, you know, we see at the end of this, um, you know, Emra says to, says to Monel, we can go home now. And Monel's like, can we even do that? Well, Brainy will find a way. Um, 
do we see the Legion return home or do we see them stick around for another season? I think we see Saturn Girl when Brainy leave, and I think we see Monel stick around. Can we so. just see Saturn Girl leave? Uh, I mean, and see Brainy stick around because that would be great. Uh, you, you know what? I just don't know what's to come. Uh, I mean, it's very possible Saturn Girl's not going to make it out of the season. You never know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Legion casualty before season's end because yeah. they still said they still have to get their ship able to even do it. So there are yeah. still six episodes to go. So. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, but I mean and it's not that I don't like Emra, it's not that I don't like Saturn Girl. I just think for things to play out the way they need to play out with Monel and Kara reconnecting and such, because we did see a little bit about we did see that in this episode that Monel is very conflicted, which led to another one of my notes, led to a really great scene with him and John. Um, where we're seeing John take up that fatherly figure mantle again. Mm. Uh, you know, when we see John kind of reach out and give Monel a hug, and it's kind of like, oh, it's one of those moments, um, yeah. which I thought was really nice. But he's very obviously conflicted. Uh, so he still has feelings for Kara, but he doesn't want to turn on his, he doesn't want to hurt his wife, um, you know, which is Saturn Girl. So I don't know. I'd love to see Monel stick around. Um, and if it comes to that with him staying and Brainy and Saturn Girl leaving and the Legion returning home, that's great. One of the things that I did rec- I did realize though, and I'm wondering if this something this is something that has crossed your mind. Were there not more than three pods in that ship? Yeah, there very much were. I mean, it's very possible though it was just the three of them in there, but we never saw silhouettes in all of them. So okay, uh, you know, like I said, I, I still think that it was smart not to introduce too many characters of the Legion, but they still have the opportunity to if they want. So. Anything can happen, uh, but I, I'm fully on board with wherever this may go. I'm I, I'm thinking it's so far it's been wonderful. So. Oh yeah, I, I'm with you too. Um, real quick <clears throat> before we look forward to next week's episode, uh, we did see that whole thing with uh, Carolina and Alex being able to enter into that world. Uh, I forget what they call it. It's the fields of something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I called it. I I have it written down as basically just a subconscious world because it's where Sam was, uh, and it's actually where we see Sam at the end. She's now alone in that world, and I don't know if she knows or not that they're going after Ruby. Uh, that Ruby is now a t- her target. Her her daughter Ruby is now a target, and that's why she's breaking down. Or is she just breaking down because she's alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But um, anything else about the episode? Before we, uh, it, it still leads me to uh, seeing the whole entering the subconscious world and, and knowing, uh, you know, that they could both be in. I still think we're going to see that moment of Sam versus Rain. Yeah, I do too. I, I think that's going to play out like Superman versus Clark. I, th- I think it's going to play out. Uh, but before we look forward to next week, anything else about the episode you want to bring up before we uh, we push forward? No, I was very, very happy and very, very pleasantly surprised. And again, two world killers gone in a single episode was not something I anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Looking forward to next week, Season 3, Episode 18, when Rain starts hunting Ruby. Supergirl and Alex work together to keep her safe. Supergirl and John look to Sam's mother for advice on how to stop Rain and come away with shocking news. Uh, So, yeah. So, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. Again, it's going to be another episode that's going to progress the storyline forward a little bit. And I'm looking because they always throw those those little things in there. And I'm looking at the actress that's playing Sam's mother just to see if she's done anything DC related before. And she hasn't. So she's not a DC Easter egg, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. That is all right. 
Uh, all right, moving forward on to The Flash, season four, episode 21, Harry and the Harrisons. The team and his, uh, the Flash and his team put their faith in an unlikely ally, Amunet Black, to defeat DeVoe. Harry hits an all-time low when the Council of Wells kicks him out, but then Cisco introduces him to the Council of Harrisons. Uh, so, I mean, speaking right on the Council of Harrisons, we get an introduction to two new Harry Wells this time around. We get Sonny Wells, who's kind of like the uh, Andrew Dice Clay He's like, yeah, the Brooklyn, you yeah. know, Brooklyn mob, uh, mobster kind of character. Yeah. Uh, With a heart of gold, you know. <laughs> and we get H.P. Wells, I think is the other one. Yes, I think it was H.P. Wells. Yeah. Harrison H.P. Wells, who is the front, the French. Uh, the French. French. <laughs> the fr- I was going to say French. The French version uh, of of, uh, of Harry. So uh, right off the bat, more great moments from them as well. I don't. I don't think this one hit as well as the last time, though. No, because, uh, like I said, they had an opportunity to bring in somebody else brand new. But it, instead, we see that Hugh Hefner-esque version come back into the fold, which I think he was. Well, actually, Wells 2.0 is the, the least interesting of the original batch. But I was happy that we did get to see Wolfgang Wells one more time because that still was the funniest sequence, hands down. Uh, but I, I will say, yeah, it didn't land as well because I think we were just so ready and excited originally for the first time that it's playing that joke a second time not that much longer from when the original happened so well not only that but the last time this happened with the council of wells we kind of had something like we had harry was um on the same level with the other wells so seeing these battle of the brains is what really played out that well and this time around it kind of it, it kind of fell flat a little bit because our, you know, Earth 2 Wells really is not up to their caliber. So it kind of felt underwhelming in that we see all this battle of the brains of the three of them, but Harry kind of felt by the wayside. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, I will say what this led to was one of my favorite moments in The Flash ever. <laughs> On the whiteboard? <laughs> the whiteboard. The whiteboard <laughs> moment just was wonderful because really they were the new Council of Wells was there to be like, just follow your heart. And that's it. And like, we don't need to tell you anything else. Just follow your heart. And I love that it leads to that whiteboard moment. And he's just like, what is DeVoe's biggest weakness? And it's a happy face. Then it's a sad <laughs> face. And then it leaves an apathetic face. And it's just kind of like, if he doesn't have his other person, you know, which is, you know, Marlies, he's not able to execute his plan because he is losing the one thing that and the reason why he was doing what he was doing. So he's not moving forward. That's why he hasn't executed his big bad plan, which I thought that was. But like, you know, the description of that was like, great. But just the visual of it takes a serious situation and makes it so comically wonderful. And because it's I love that line at the end. Do you guys need me to explain? That's, this? that's the best part. Do you guys need me to explain this? Uh, and they're like, no, no, we we get it. And that was the best part of that whole thing. Like I was laughing during the whole moment when he was drawing the happy faces. But at the very end, yeah, when he's like, do you guys need me to explain this? Like that was that was hands down one of the best parts. And if it wasn't such a visual aspect, it most likely would have been the line of the week this week. Yeah. Absolutely, because, man, that was the, that moment. I mean, granted, no lie. We just told you the entire entirety of the Wells Council storyline for this week's episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In about a minute and a half, because that's really all there was. It was maybe seven or eight minutes of screen time in the totality of the episode. And that feels like I'm being generous, uh, saying it was even that much. So, but. You know, like I said, it was a nice sequence to be able to see Kavanaugh get a chance to play and have fun again because he's always so great with that. But it definitely feels like the version of 
Harry we have right now. It's getting a little bit closer and closer to HR from last season. Uh, and it's starting to blend that line a little bit, you know, and I, I think that's the only thing is I, you know, they're going to probably rectify this by season's end because he's going to be probably their saving grace in all of this. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them work with this and play with this. But I, I do generally think that uh, if they let if this was something that were to go on a lot earlier in the season, by now, we would kind of be sick of the character and what they're doing. So. Well, I mean, and that's maybe a good reason why they waited until so long into the ep- into the season to do this. Oh yeah, I definitely give them a big thumbs up on on how they handle the timing of this and making sure it didn't go on for too too long. So yeah, I yeah, definitely I on that one. I, I don't know. I mean, and we can focus a little bit too on the, um, uh, you know, uh, on the Amunet Black portion of this because other than the council of well council of harrison's um i really don't think there's much else to this episode other than everything that happens with an amunet black there's really nothing else that yeah. happens because again i mentioned it at the top of the episode uh, no devoe no mechanic you know so no marlise um you know so we get that whole big moment at the end of last week's episode with marlise turning on devoe taking his chair and going away and wondering where that's going to where that's going to lead uh, as to whether or not she's going to be against him, are we going to see villain versus villain against Team Flash? You know, so we don't know what's going to happen. If this being a throwaway episode, this kind of is the best place to put it. So now, hopefully, we these last two. If one of these last two episodes is another throwaway, there's something wrong. Yeah, these last two episodes, the penultimate and the finale, have to be pertaining to this. So, um, I think putting a throwaway in the last three episodes is kind of I mean, we say it's a throwaway, but there was some things that came out of this episode that do pertain to the main story. There, There is. I mean, like I said, their big mission in this episode is finding a way to shoot down those satellites. But the the problem is with Kilgore's abilities, they can't use tech. So they state very clearly that they need an organic material of some sort to use to take these down. And the only person they could think of to go to was... Amunet and the metal that she actually uses that is not tech based, which was kind of a brilliant idea. And I really love the fact that they kind of definitely played with something outside the box. And I think that that angle worked. And again, as we mentioned before in our you know early scoring, I even stated it's always great to see Amunet back because she kind of fills in that gap that was left by uh, Leonard Snart. So I'm really happy that they have a character like that. I know some people probably aren't as high on that character as I am. But I again, from somebody that loved BSG and just, you know, enjoys Katie Sackhoff, I I think she always brings something fun to the show when she gets a chance to make an appearance. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And I think one of the one of my other favorite moments of this, too, is the first time we see her in Star Labs and she's face to face with Barry. Uh, with the Flash, and she knows full well who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me realize, too, I'm like, okay, she can look at his jawline, knowing she's seen him before, and she's seen him as Barry, she's seen him in the flat, as the Flash, and she can very easily put these two together and realize who he is. Why can nobody else do this? <laughs> and it leads me into another point going back to Supergirl is that you have Lena Luther sitting down at a table with Supergirl having a conversation does it not click in your head this is the same exact voice as Kara yeah like these people in this world are so oblivious 
Well, uh, welcome to the world of comic books. <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> and it leads me to a meme that I saw early, like I saw uh, probably a couple weeks back where it's like, you know, you look at the world of Marvel, everybody wears a mask, yet everybody knows their identity. DC, nobody wears a mask, nobody knows who the hell they are. <laughs> it's like in two completely different worlds. But if Amunet can put these two things together, why can nobody else do this? Yeah. Oh, well, like I said, you know, the beautiful thing, though, too, is it kind of makes it fun and kind of plays with this season a little bit because you have a villain that very clearly knows that Barry Allen is the Flash, you know. So having a secondary villain like this in the mix, you know, it just makes it work. And that's one of the things that I think why, again, characters like Leonard Snart were so great because he knew who was who. And it adds this interesting wrinkle now that there is another person out there who is a villain uh now knows the identity and she's a character that's kind of unhinged just like leo was or not leo but leonard uh so it gives you a chance to really have fun with this down the road and see what they may do so i'm looking forward to seeing them maybe get a chance to play with that a little bit more next year yeah no i would i would love to see her return and i will say as well that uh amunet black aka blacksmith has one of the coolest exits of anybody of any villain that we've seen uh, as she leaves, when she just leaves in a uh, a tornado twister of metal. Which, oh, yeah, that was wonderfully cool. done. Yeah, I, I really love them playing with that. And it's kind of funny to think we've seen her, what, three, maybe four times now this season. So, like, she's got, definitely had a lot more screen time than most side side villains ever have in a single season. So, yeah. Now, but I also think that they've used her well. as So it, it always, I think, definitely works. Yeah. I No, I agree with that completely. And I love seeing her... Um, you know, we've seen her in a number of different projects, but we and we've made mention of this before is that it's great seeing her kind of in a more natural state with her being able to use like her her own accent. She doesn't have to Americanize anything, uh, even though we did see her do it a little bit in this episode. She was using like a southern. Yeah, accent. a little bit of a southern draw kind of going into uh, her, her Longmire, uh, her uh, speaking, pat- like, you know, you know, patterns and such for that uh, Western show that she does. So, yeah, exactly. Um so um, one of the things I'm curious about because I, I didn't really – I didn't understand it um, and maybe you can help me shine a light on it a little bit. Is by the end, we do see her give them uh, you know, a projectile to, to use. However, she only gives them one. Is this something that kind of comes apart to so- use? I wasn't sure if I listened and heard that right, too. That did leave a little bit of confusion, but it sounded like she said, if you break one of these off and you can use this. But then they said, we only have one shot. And I'm like, huh, wait, all right, all right, did you just contradict yourself? I'm not quite sure. Or do they just need to take down one satellite to break up the chain? So I'm not quite sure about that. So you're not the only one that was a okay, little lost good. on that. So if you have a take on this from any of our listeners, please just throw it in the comments because uh, – I'm curious to get your take on it because my thought process was they have one projectile that's kind of charged up with Amunet's power that they're going to use to remove one or it's the opposite where they can break off small sections of this and use them multiple ways. And, so. if, it, and if that's the case, if, if it's the second one where they can break it off, there are definitely more than five shards there. So they don't oh, yeah. have just one shot. You know, so I don't know. I, I, I really I, I really don't know. That was one of the things that did confuse me by the end of the episode a little bit. Okay, cool. That's not it wasn't just me because I still okay. was left with questions on that after it ended. Yeah. So, um, you know, other than that, I really don't know. 
I mean, there, we did get we did get a little bit more to the episode play out with Caitlin uh, yeah. trying to get Killer Frost to come back. I do have a feeling we're going to see Killer Frost return before the end of this season. And I uh, have a feeling it's not going to be a, hey, I transform into Killer Frost and then not remember. And I think it's just going to be Caitlin is just going to be Killer Frost by the end of this. So you think it's going to be a more permanent transit? Uh, um, uh, I think mental, mentally, uh, mentally, that's going to come together. And she's just like, no, she's like, she can access the powers and kind of like think like, you know, Iceman and just kind of like frost up. <laughs> so and that's it. OK, so she's going to be in essence, she's going to be both. She's going to be Caitlin with Killer Frost abilities. Yeah, I think it's going to be a blend because I think that's the one thing that's always been a little weird about her character. I know a lot of people agree and there's been some outcry of like, why did they do it this way? Um, and this gives them the opportunity to kind of rectify that problem. So. Okay. All right. Um, anything else on this episode you want to bring up before we move on to Arrow? Yeah, there wasn't much else. Uh, we saw Barry phase through something in his bloodstream, which was kind of. But haven't uh, we seen that before? I I feel like we felt him kind of like phase the, the toxin out of him before. Not a toxin, but I think maybe like we saw him with like a bullet or shrapnel or something like that. But um Never something that it's been in his veins. So that was kind of you would think, hey, I'm going to phase through and let this poison out of my system. Wouldn't that also maybe cause you to phase out your blood? Uh, you, plasma, <laughs> you know, things along those lines. I think that was the first time I've seen him use a phase ability. I'm like, yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> so please don't do that again. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But that that one, I will say for the. A flash power. That was probably the first one. I'm like, that was pretty hokey. Normally, I'm like, that was amazing, and this was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. That kind of confused me a little bit too. Yeah, but hey, whatever. <laughs> um, so looking forward to not only next week but the the season finale. There are no plots listed on IMDb for next week or the season finale. Good, um, but I know I, I'm kind of liking that. I know, however, next week for the penultimate, we are going to see David Ramsey uh, as John Diggle show up with Argus. Mm-hmm. And looking forward to the season finale, I don't want to post any spoilers. Um, but we're gonna see Bill Goldberg return. Who yep, we, uh, we knew was going to come back, um, and we're going to see Hartley Sawyer again. Yes, which well, m- yeah. makes me wonder: Are we going to see Ralph saved? Yes, I've been talking about this for months. There's no way that they weren't going to do that. Uh, he's the only body that has been able to survive. Uh, that's not by chance. That yeah. is, they they are very clear to mention that Devoe even states this body can't deteriorate based on its cellular structure. Hey, it's just his his mind is basically taking over that form. And that's it. And my guess is that means, hey, Ralph's brain is tucked off to the side a little bit. And that's all it is. Uh, and and, 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 and yeah. that's the case. I, I hope we get to see Ralph return next season. I really do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, there is no part of me that thinks he's dead. We will definitely see him redeemed and saved by season's end. Uh, we know we'll find out exactly who the mystery girl is. And we know we're getting a tease on who our big bad villain is going to be for the following year. All in the ulti- uh, you know final episode of the season. So yeah. we've got a lot to look forward to. So that's um, I, I'm, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going to go. I am as well. Uh, All right. Last episode of the week, which is Arrow season six, episode 22, the ties that bind. 
Uh, Diaz targets Team Arrow and their loved ones. Oliver struggles with Felicity putting herself in danger when she gets the chance to stop Diaz for good. Uh, IMDb gave this a 9 out of 10, so this is definitely legend territory for them as well. Uh, we This is, <clears throat> for a penultimate, uh, this was pretty good. I mean, th- we're, we're seeing now how... Um, the teams are kind of going to converge back together to maybe not become one team again, but at least work together to to put an end to everything. And it looks like we're going to see some additional help come into the, the finale this week as well uh, in the form of, I guess, is, is she FBI or? Um, FBI, Agent <clears throat> Watson, yeah. Okay, so it is FBI. Mm-hmm. Um uh, no Katie Cassidy this week, no um, Paul Blackthorne this week, so no Quentin, no... Um, uh, no Laurel. Laurel, Laurel. Yep. God, my, I don't know why. It's I'm okay. Blanks with stuff like that. Um, but we do know they are going to play a very important part to next week's episode. We know that next week, this week rather, the finale is Paul Blackthorne's final episode. I don't know if that means he's going to be killed off. I'm calling an L. He's going to get killed off. Oh, it's going to suck so bad. I think he just got announced for his other show. I think it's on NBC. It's in the in-between, I think it's called. Yeah, he did. His his other show did get picked up. Um, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> got the got the green light from, from the network. So he's obviously not taking a break. He's going right into another show, which is great. Congratulations to Paul because he is a wonderful actor. He's just a great guy uh, in general. Um but it's going to suck because I've loved his character since the beginning. And we're going to see Sarah next week. Oh, this week, too, which is, like I said, so I'm pretty damn sure I would say if I have to put money down, I would probably put a large sum down uh, stating that he is going to die, especially if they're bringing Sarah in for the finale as it's going to be her chance to say. Now, goodbye. do we know that for sure? Because she yes. is not listed in the credits. Yes. They, they've been saying this for weeks. It was a news story from us about a month ago that she indeed is in the finale. Yeah, I remember so, us talking about it, but oh, that came from, I'm looking, that came I'm from, looking uh, at this week's. So that's why I don't see her in the credits. But that's uh, that came from from Mark Guggenheim. So, OK, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this week's. So I'm not seeing. Um, but say, but then again, they also have. Um, oh, yeah, she is listed in the credits for next week. They also have Willa Holland listed, which isn't going to happen. Um, Because Willa has officially left the show, so well, you never know. Uh, They've had her list. They've had her listed every week, though, until the episode airs, and then they take her out. Well, they could also do a quick flashback because we do know a returning cast member for next season being Roy, so they do have to address that problem. So, do they have to address it this season? Though I don't think they do. I don't think they have to address that until the pilot or not Uh, the pilot, the premiere. Yeah, no, that's very true. Well, it's the question of when, but it's gonna it has to happen one way or the other, whether they do it in the finale or they do it in the season premiere for next year. Um it, it's it's gonna be addressed within the next two to three episodes. And obviously that means two of those episodes being next year. So uh but I would assume we will definitely know within three episodes from where we stand right now, uh if we'll see a quick appearance from her. So Okay. All right. Enough about next week. <laughs> Let's talk about yep. this week. Um, you know, as I mentioned, this is we're kind of seeing the teams reconverge and uh, at least know they have to work together with some assistance from the FBI, which we'll talk about the stinger at the end of this week's episode going into next week's uh, this past week's going into this week's episode. And um, it kind of worked. Uh, again, I said at the top of the episode, there was only one character that really kind of drew me back a little bit, and I put it aside to give the, to bump it in the legend, uh, and that's Dinah. I can't, uh-huh. I just, I can't 
I can't get past it. Renee has been redeemed in my eyes. Curtis was kind of the bottom of that list anyway. So Curtis yeah, he's never of- really he's never really been a jerk. Like Curtis has always been the nice guy. Like he out of the entire team is just the sweet and nice one. And he always has been. And you do understand when everything went down on why he would follow the outsiders. And because out of all of those characters, he's lost the most. His marriage fell apart because of all of this. Uh, his life is put in peril and jeopardy more than anybody else on that team, uh, with the exception of the original core from because they've been doing it much longer. But his and, life was dramatically altered out of everybody's. And that curse kind of strikes him again this week. Yeah. In that this guy that he's seeing now, his boyfriend now, um, is is shot, is shot by Diaz's men. So uh, we kind of see Curtis go a little off the handle a little bit later on in the episode, which is completely understandable. Um, and we see him not only take a little bit of a beating from Diaz, but he's stabbed as well. So uh, it was kind of surprising to me to see him up and about. Uh, yeah, that was the only thing that was kind of like, really? He looked like he was about to die. And I'm like, how is he not in a hospital bed uh, for the rest of the season after that? So, yeah, but well, hey. There were two big com- points of contention I have with this episode, other than Dinah, because, again, that's in a league all of its own. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. There's just that whole moment from, you know, uh, from course, co- from, um, uh, what is it, collision course, uh, when with her striking Quentin, I, I can't get over that. I- I've gotten over everything else. I-, it's- I can't get over that. And she comes along, she comes across to wanting to be badass, but not badass enough. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Well, I think she had a moment in this episode is what actually brought my score down from like probably like an eight five to about a seven five seven point eight. Like right. Like I said, when I say on the precipice of the legend, I'm saying like by a hair. And she has this speech that she has with Curtis, if memory serves correctly, uh, of kind of like, hey, you know, um, you're one of those people that kept me from going over the edge and blah, 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 blah. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you kind of walked me down from doing something even worse than what I did. But like the way she says it, I'm like, maybe over going over the edge. No, you went over the edge. You did horrible things like yeah. really bad. And you're saying is thank you so much for making sure I didn't continue doing the things that I was doing. But it was just that's not who you should be apologizing to. You really and like to think that you've learned this magical lesson. I still don't buy it. I just really don't. She is just even when you see her in the beginning of the episode, she is turning into a more abrasive version of Ollie at his worst. You know, it's that's what she's kind of becoming. And it does not work. It really doesn't work for the way that Juliana Harkavy is forced to kind of play the character based on the way the writers are writing it. Because I want to specify that very specifically in that way. It's not that she's doing a bad job. It is the, what the material that she has given is still not doing her character any favors. No, so. I mean, and that's a point we've made numerous times ever since that episode Collision Course is that this is not a testament as to, to how we feel about these actors. Absolutely not. I love everybody on the show. Like, oh, we said it last year. Who was our breakout character last year? Rick Gonzalez. Yeah. Wild Dog was our number one top character last year, I believe, from start to finish, because he is such a great character and so much fun. And kudos to the writing team for this week, because I did not hear the word Hoss once. Oh, my God, you're right. I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, I was so happy at the end of that, because I stopped and thought about it. And I'm like, no, they didn't. Oh, my God, please remember this lesson and know that you don't have to say it every time he opens his mouth. 
(laughs) Yes. I didn't even pick up on that, that we do not get that at all this week. Good job. That's fantastic. Now I'm glad I gave this a legend. (laughs) (laughs) I I really, really am. You know Um, what? You know what? Because of that, I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to give it a solid eight. I'll give it (laughs) I'll give it a legend as well, because purely that is enough to overshadow my deep seated hatred for what they're doing to Black Canary. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, no boss. It's worth a point. No, I mean, and getting back to it again, we've we've made this point numerous times. This is no fault of the actors at all. We love, obviously, Rick Gonzalez. We love Echo Cullum. We love Juliana Harkavy, as I've mentioned before. And, you know, it's a humble brag on my part. I've shared the stage with all these people. I've met them all. They're fantastic people. It's the writers that are that are hurting how we feel about these characters this season. And it's not even I can't even say how we're feeling about these characters it's now to the point where how we're feeling about this character. Yeah. Because, again, Renee's been redeemed. Curtis never really had an issue with. L- Dinah, uh, I'm still struggling with it. Well, they, you know what that is? The problem is they, they didn't give her a real redemption moment yet. And that's the problem. And that's really what it all boils down to is they didn't put the focus on making sure to fix that issue and they just kind of like swept it under the rug instead, which is the biggest problem with the character right now. But, you know, let's get outside of that stuff because it really has very little bearing on a really good episode. Uh, it's just a small piece of dialogue that happened here and there and just her involvement in the team at all, I think, leaves that sour taste. But there's enough really awesome stuff to wash that away in this episode. Um yeah, like I think Diaz coming full force against all these people and this wonderful moment of just William, Oliver and Felicity, like having Brenner, uh, the best dinner that you can have is breakfast, uh, <laughs> like without a doubt. But like seeing, you know, his men just to tear that place apart uh, was a really intense sequence. It was really well executed. Then we're cutting away to all these things and what's happening to the rest of the outsiders. Uh, and them kind of getting picked apart um, was really a, a beautiful, intense way to set up this big fight at the end. And I think this is going to work out wonderfully. I'm really excited to see exactly how this is going to be portrayed uh, this this week. So, uh, and, but yeah, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say and, and seeing, you know, right from the beginning, uh, you know, with Diaz coming into Oliver's apartment and then into Curtis's apartment and the whole scene with Renee and his daughter, uh, we see that Oliver kind of has an inside man, that being Anatoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it wasn't for Anatoly's text message, man, they were goners. Yeah. They they were gone. So, um, yeah, so it's nice to see that he does have an ally somewhere deep uh, within Diaz's ranks. Now, out of curiosity, uh, do you think we're going to see the end of Anatoly this season? I I'm, do. I'm, I, I, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I'm really kind of hoping that doesn't play out because I really want to see him get out because I love his character so much and I love the relationship between him and Ollie. He's been around since season one. Uh, on that, on, you know, he was on the Amazo in the very beginning. I mean, he's been such a huge part of all of this, and uh, I would hate to see his story end uh, in this season. So, yeah, and it's it's going to be sad. I mean, but we're seeing, uh, you know, one of the big things that came out of this episode is that Diaz really has no loyalty to anybody but himself uh, as we see him execute not one but two other members of the quadrant. Uh, it's no longer the quadrant. It's because there are only two members left. Yeah. Uh, and that, it's that being very... Diaz and somebody who is afraid for his life. And more than likely it's good. But yeah, sure. The whole thing's yours. Have fun. Um, I, I, I don't want to die, you know, so. Yeah. 
Um, but man, what a great line. What, what a cheesy, bad villain line. But that made me smile is when he stabs the one in the throat. And he's like, uh, you, when she's trying to talk, it's like, uh, it seems like you've got something in your throat. And I'm yeah. like, such a great villain line, like such a hammy, cheesy line. But it made me smile like an idiot. I don't know why, uh, but occasionally those moments just happen. It's like a good training montage. You can't help but just smile. And we'll talk about that a little later with something completely unrelated to DC. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say he's becoming a more interesting villain, uh, it, like just as far as that level of terror that he brings to it. I think he's not a Prometheus. He's not a Deathstroke. But I would definitely say if we have to rank him in in the realm of the villains of Arrow, I'd maybe put him in number three. Uh, you know, Damian Dark was kind of eh on Arrow, but shined elsewhere. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Malcolm Merlin's <laughs> kind of like, OK, sure. And it was just more of a fun character that just got in the way. Um, and Rachel Ghoul was kind of like half of a villain. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know how to really even kind of shoehorn him in. He just kind of added to the lore and the legacy. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. And it's it took a long time for them to kind of set him up as the villain. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we mentioned that a little earlier as well. But um, it started last week and it kind of continued into this week is uh, I'm okay with it now. I'm, I'm, yeah, sold, yeah. I'm sold with who he's become. Um, he's basically a mob boss. And well, he's not basically a mob boss. He is a mob boss. He is in control of this city. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, we did kind of see, because one of the things I was always curious about was how does this finish off? I mean, if you take out Diaz, that's great, but you still have all these corrupt people left in the city without Diaz. You can't kill all of them. Uh, but they kind of found a way around that this week in that they now have the records of everybody who is on Diaz's payroll. Had. So, <laughs> that uh, doesn't end too well for them by the end of this episode. It, that's true. Um, but Felicity is smart. I don't think that's the end of that. Uh, I think somehow there is a backup or somehow they're going to find a way to recover that because I think that's really the only way you can get out of this situation. Uh, one day I will say, though, too, to add to to that, uh, man, it was really awesome to see Lila to be a big part of this episode and everything involved. It's great to see him, her kind of working full force with Team Arrow, uh, because, like I said, it's been a while since we felt like Lila was a big part of these storylines and she's definitely come back to the forefront. It's been really great to see Argus's involvement and especially to see Lila and John together uh, the last couple of weeks, a lot more so on screen has been a really welcome change. And it kind of feels like it's bringing it back to the original status quo uh, more and more as the seasons has progressed. So uh, I do really appreciate what they're doing there because for as many stumbling blocks as this season has had, they have done a good job of getting back to what the core of the show used to be. Uh, but it happened in a very weird and roundabout way that was not without its bumps and bruises. So I, I think it's going to end in a way that it feels very similar to season one or season two um, versus when we started getting to the magic and mystics kind of angle uh, the last several years. You know, so I, I again, it, it ties nicely back into the Prometheus angle, all this stuff. But I think this is going to definitely end in the middle of the row as far as seasons are concerned. I think that's not a question. But again, what they're achieving, I'm actually a lot more surprised that I'm enjoying it as much as I am considering how I was feeling about two and a half months ago. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, 
It does bring me to another point of contention, though, that I did have with this episode. I did mention that there were two. And did I mention the first one already outside of Dinah? Uh, um, you didn't say Dinah. And I figured that was contention no, one. No, there were two outside of, of um, that one. And now for the life of me, I can't remember what the other one was. Um, but the one that I did have, and um, I don't know if this is something that maybe you kind of picked up on as well. We did see at one point when everybody's getting attacked that Diaz has indeed also gone into the Arrow Cave and, and has kind of burned it up. Everything has been destroyed. They're now without a home, which is why we see them with um, you know the Outsiders uh, in Helix, which... Again, later on, we find Ooh. both of these groups without a home by the end. Um, the difference between the two is that when Helix goes up, everybody is in their costumes. Renee is in Wild Dog, um, you know, is dressed as Wild Dog. We see Oliver as Arrow. But when Oliver, when, t- when the Arrow Cave goes up, Oliver's suit is along there with it. He doesn't have it with him. So Maybe he had a spare? maybe that's really the only thing I can think of. Um, because otherwise, when, when Curtis says suit up, where the hell is he suiting up from? I would say, well, he, he brought a duffel, so that means he probably had a second one. So okay. uh, think about how many costume changes Ollie's gone through. So I, I'm sure he's just kind of like, you know what? This is a backup for fun. Okay. Just funsies. All right. So I'm sure if, if they can, if, if they have all that cool tech, I'm pretty sure Cisco has no problem being like, oh, yeah, I made you like 10 of them. So we've been in enough scraps that your costume should have been decimated by now. So just in case. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of, for the life of me. I can't think of what the other point of contention was. So obviously it wasn't that big of a point of contention. You know, what? though, I will say, uh, you know, having both of the bunkers destroyed it, it like, again, it, this is a beautiful reset for next year. So I, I think they're. They knew what they were doing, and I think they know with having a new show showrunner kind of giving them the ability to start from scratch. This is kind of the best way I can put it is this season is really feeling like an arc of a comic book more so than any other one. Usually when writers are done and wrapped up, they try to reset the status quo to an original point where a new person can come in and play with the toys their own way. And I think that's the one thing that we always forget about these shows is – these are very much comic books like they are comic books in motion and they do a beautiful job of getting that across on the CW shows completely. And I'm really proud of what they've achieved and done. But having a new showrunner come in can really change the dynamic. So the best way to do it, again, is exactly how Arrow is doing it right now. They're resetting as close to the original setting as humanly possible and giving them the ability to go anywhere that they want. I think that's a beautiful and brilliant move for next year. Now, here is um, another question that I would think we could make um, a little bit of a prediction, uh, or I'd be curious to what you would think of something like this actually happening, is we do have these issues with Dinah, uh, but we do know that next week, with the way things are probably most likely going to play out with Quentin being killed off uh, and seeing Katie Cassidy, seeing Laura Lance kind of turn on Diaz and join the team to help them out, um, could we potentially see a writing off of Dinah and Laurel coming back into the phrase Black Canary? Uh, I don't. My brain is saying a different story. Uh, I think we're going to see both of them um, heavily involved next year. But I think we're going to see Dinah in a different position. I think we're going to see her as the new police captain. I would not be surprised to see that happen. Okay. Uh, if you have Quentin out of the picture and if you want to still have you know Star City PD be a large part of the show, which it has really kind of been a small backbone somewhere in some in some way shape and form pretty much since the start um 
a good way to do that is have that character shift into that role. She's the only one that was a cop and was fired because of Diaz. Um, so I think you could see her potentially be the person that helps rebuild uh, the police force, and I could see her getting promoted into a captain role. Uh, that could be a very interesting possibility, and you'll still see Black Siren in the mix. That way those characters can continue to butt heads. I think that's going to be something that will probably be ongoing for some time. So Okay. I mean, it was just a thought. And when I say, like, Dinah written off, I don't mean, like, killed off. You know, I could just see her, like, being very conflicted in everything that she's going through and just kind of taking a little breather and, and kind of going off and doing something else, like leaving the city for a bit. So, I don't know. But I think her taking a new position would be an interesting way to take it uh, going into next season, too. Because it could, again, kind of change our opinions on her and, um, you know, lead us to kind of... Take and accept this character again. Yeah. So, like I said, I think her redemption hasn't been done yet. I think they they know the problems that they made with her character, and I think it's going to be addressed next year. I really do. Okay. Uh, I hope that's the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anything else on this episode before we talk about next week and then take the news? Well, we just got to talk about that big moment at the end. Oh, that's Um, right. Yeah. uh, The team um, going into the season finale. Yeah, because that will really impact the season finale in a big, huge way. Because once the data is destroyed, when the Helix Bunker goes up, um, they were only, I think, like 50-some percent through decrypting Diaz's information, which is tied to all the accounts and all the people that he's got under his thumb. Um, When that's destroyed, Ollie goes to one person we don't expect him to go to for help, and that is Agent Watson at the FBI, and he actively and openly states he is the green arrow to her um and she said there are two stipulations for me assisting and helping she's like i want to hear the words and that's when we hear him state that who he is and they leave us on with a second one of uh that other stipulation my guess is he's gonna have to turn himself in Uh, i don't think that's a question at all so i would not be surprised if next year ollie is in supermax to start off the season um I think there's a really high chance of that. That is a big Green Arrow story going way back. Uh, and even a story that they were talking about and adapting into a major motion picture about five years ago. Like, if not, maybe even a little bit longer than that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if that's the angle they're going to go. And Ali is locked up. And that could be a big part of the season. They could also do other interesting things if they do go that Supermax route and have all of the heroes locked up in Supermax and watching them have to deal with a kind of a prison angle for next year, which could be really cool. So it'd be very interesting if that's the route that they go. Um, However, I don't know because I mean, how do you lock somebody up for admitting something he was already cleared of charges for? It becomes double jeopardy at that point. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why he was so willing to admit it to her is the fact that he's kind of already been cleared of these charges. So I, I don't know if it's possible to go into that supermax route because, again, instances of the law, it becomes double jeopardy, which is illegal. Well, perjury. <laughs> so lying uh, on the stand, you know, they could do anything that they want to because there's easily a way they can find for writers I, to lock them actually, up. And so. actually, he, he was found guilty of the charges as well. <clears throat> yeah. I, I just realized that. He wasn't found innocent. He was found guilty. So, yeah, I... And we we shall see on what they do with it, but I would not be surprised to see Ollie behind bars uh, either at the end of the season or the start of next year. So it's just a big wait and see. Now, I don't know 
if that means that will be a story that will continue for quite some time through next year, or if it's going to be like a flashpoint, two episodes and done. I mean, Christ Barry was in jail a lot longer than any of us anticipated this year, too. So it's the question of how they want to play that. But I think they have to be careful of that because of what they did on The Flash this this season to be careful to not play that up. But I think one of the coolest things that they could really do with this angle is just have Ollie be out about him being the Green Arrow to the world. Um, and I think that's very much a possibility that we could see the first DC hero right now in in all of this openly admit to being a superhero. So, OK, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out. And I know I don't think this is anything you have in the news, but um, Stephen Amell did do a live video uh, with Entertainment Weekly earlier this week. And it was mainly a plug for Knocking Point. It was him and um, his buddy Andrew. Uh, but they did talk a little bit about Arrow. And he did say he was recently pitched the idea for next year's crossover. Uh, and he is extremely excited about it. And he did say that hopefully sometime over the course of the next couple weeks, we are going to get details as to what is going to entail next week's crossover. And next, what's in a couple next weeks? Next year's crossover. What's in a couple weeks? San Diego Comic-Con. Well, it's not until August, isn't it? Uh, or is it July? Know, I think it's July. I think it's the, near the end of the July, uh, if not early August. But in the grand scheme of things, we're midway through May. Um, so it's crazy to think that already. And by the time Supergirl wraps up, it will be midway through June. So we're, we're talking a couple weeks could mean 12 weeks. <laughs> so uh, who knows? But we, I have a feeling we'll, we'll hear something before we know it. So Okay. But yeah, um, if he's excited, then I'm excited. Mm -hmm. All I can say. Uh, next week, we have the season finale. Looking forward to uh, to that. All it says is that with a new ally on his team, Oliver engages Diaz in an epic final battle. However, uh, it is directed by James Banford, which means we're going to get some really cool action sequences out of it, which is great. Um, however, the title of the episode... Going right along with your prediction is life sentence. Um, now, that could mean one of two things. That could mean what you said about Oliver potentially being locked up in Supermax. Or this could mean the death of a character, which we're predicting already anyway. Uh, if I have to put money on it, as I said before, I'm going to call for both of them. So right. I have a feeling we're going to see both happen. Um, okay. But it's a wait and see. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I've got my flash predictions in. Like I said, Ralph is saved. Harry, Harry is the key to everyone's salvation. And of course, on Arrow, we're going to unfortunately see the death of my favorite character on that show. And oh. Ollie's going to get locked up. It's um, going to suck. Again, I have not watched any promos. I have not looked at any of that stuff. I don't have any inside information on any of that. It, this is purely my thoughts on where we are, and it has been kind of brewing that way, especially in the Flash from months now. Uh, the angle that we're looking at with this is kind of putting a lot, to, a lot of pieces together from them saying this could only end the way that it began, and we've been setting this up since the start. And what was the first episode it was Agent Watson coming into play um, and trying to lock Ali up, and that's the only thing that makes the most sense and kind of correlates and connects. So I'm pretty sure that's that's where this is headed. So okay. but uh, this could play out in a really amazing, interesting way. And as we said, this show always has the possibility to stick the landing. And I have a feeling they're going to do it. I really do. 
Okay. I think we're going to walk away with a legend finale. So I hope so. I really do. I mean, this uh, this show has course corrected so well since those earlier episodes, with with one or two exceptions uh, that have still faltered a little bit. But for the most part, course corrected and is coming to an end in a, a really great way. So I hope that the finale this week is is in legend territory. I really do. I like I said, I haven't been excited to say this phrase for a while, but I'm man, I'm really excited for the Arrow finale. All right. Um and I I I didn't think I'd be saying that a couple of weeks ago. So I didn't think um, you would either. You know what? Like I said, props to them for for doing a good job of uh cleaning up their mistakes. So Cool. Uh all right, I know we do have quite a bit in the news this week, so I'll turn it over to you to uh to relay that information. All right. So I'm going to tear through this as fast as I can for everybody. I do apologize. There might be a couple stories that I may have to reload because I've had this stuff up since last night. And I'll, so, I'll keep my comments to a minimum. Uh, so real fast, uh, if you haven't checked it out, uh, WB Animation just released a brand new trailer for the death of Superman uh, that we got to see a lot more in full force. And man, is it looking good? Um, like I said, that is uh, I forget the date of when that is coming out, but I believe August 7th is going to be the Blu-ray uh, release of it. So I'm not quite sure on digital. My guess is probably mid-June or mid-July. So um, so not too much longer of a wait before we get to check that out. So, uh, But heading into some TV talk, uh, quite a few things have happened. So let's start off with a couple pickups, including shows that we don't normally talk about. Uh, for those of you that are a fan of the Vertigo series, iZombie, that is also on CW, uh, a show that was very much on the bubble, did indeed get picked up for season five. So if you are wondering to check that out and hope that Liv and Robbie still get a, uh, to continue their story, uh, very happy to report that yes, indeed they do. So, But unfortunately, another show on the Vertigo line from Fox called Lucifer, uh, unfortunately, has got canceled after it's season three. Now, it seems like quite a few other Fox shows that also suffered massively this past uh, week as far as cancellations. Now, there is a high chance that Lucifer could indeed get picked back up. So everybody is hoping and praying. But now, now bear in mind, this will not get picked back up by Fox. I would not be surprised to see the Warner Brothers uh, streaming service for DC Universe maybe be one of the people that puts a bid in to save the show. Uh, there are some rumblings and rumors that potentially Hulu could step in, as could Netflix. Um, it is a big wait and see. More than likely, you're not going to see, I think, this head to Netflix whatsoever. Uh, I think Hulu is the highest chance. Uh, if not, it'll be the streaming app. So, And I really big. hope it's picked up because I love the show. I well, really do. Well, it sounds like while the season and the plot threads from season three do get fully wrapped up in the finale that I think airs this week, which is tomorrow, yeah, uh, apparently it does leave on a massive cliffhanger. So if you're a huge fan, please bear in mind that new problems do arise at the very end and they will not be resolved unless the show gets picked back up. So Yeah, well, Last Man on Earth also ended in a huge cliffhanger, too, and I'm really ticked off that show got the axe by Fox. Yeah, I should learn by now not to get excited for it, not to really fall in love with any shows on Fox. Yeah, well, that's uh, we've all known that's in Firefly. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and Futurama and all that crap. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, there is a wonderful photo that was released of the entire cast with tissues, uh, all looking like they're crying at the cancellation, which was a very Wonderful picture, but also a very sad picture. I am about a season and a half behind in Lucifer, but man, I really enjoyed that show too. So, uh, But another Fox show's fate is hanging in the balance for those of you that are fans of Gotham. 
by the time you hear this episode, there may be a possibility we will have an answer. Right now, its fate hangs on the balance of one other show at Fox. Now, that being Lethal Weapon, which has nothing to do with the DC Universe. No, but not at all. The reason being is because Lethal Weapon recently lost its character, uh, the actor that was playing Riggs because of some issues behind the scenes. Um, what they are stating is right now, because of its ratings being so high, that they have, I believe, until tomorrow, the day that it actually Monday, the day you're hearing this, to find a replacement actor. Now, the rumors having out there like, right now are stating that if a actor is found to be able to come in as a new replacement character for a new lead, that indeed Gotham will indeed be canceled. If they can't find an actor to replace it, Gotham will be renewed. Um, nobody really knows what's happening. This news just broke probably within the last 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so, again, uh, Gotham is very much on the bubble uh, I guarantee we will hear no lie probably before our next episode. Uh, we'll be reporting if it was picked up or canceled, but I guarantee we're going to find out this week. Now, everybody's wondering why the cancellations like this has been happening like crazy at Fox. Now, that's twofold. So for those of you not in the know, Fox Entertainment has been in the process of being sold off. Uh, there is two bids out there. One of them in the big bid right now is Disney. Disney is set to right now go through uh, some discussions with both the I think it's the uh, is it the FCC? I believe so. Yeah. I, I think it's the FCC has to do the approval. But what they would be doing is they would be gaining the rights to all of Fox's things that have nothing to do with Fox Sports or Fox News. So with that buyout in process right now and now Comcast coming in with a secondary bid that was a cash bid, everybody's still waiting to see what's going to happen with that. So that means either Disney or Comcast will own all property rights. So it's a very big possibility that Fox is trimming back its costs right now for shows to bring back if indeed in the next six to nine, uh, six to nine months they're not going to be needing to run these shows because it's going to have to do with other networks. So they're probably trimming the fat now and they're probably looking at the shows that are costing them the most money. I'm sure Lucifer was very much one of those those shows, but even all of their comedies were canceled. Uh, we've seen already Brooklyn Nine-Nine picked up in less than 48 hours by NBC to continue on for, I think, its sixth season. Uh, Last Man on Earth, there's been rumblings that that might be getting shopped around already too pretty quickly. Uh, so it's, like I said, possible that we'll see Lucifer picked up, and if Gotham gets canceled, maybe picked up elsewhere. But in addition to it, too, they also made a massive deal with, um, I think right now, the NFL to air a lot more of their games and take the large majority ownership of showing the NFL in the States which apparently that deal was incredibly expensive. So another reason for them to cut back costs if that entertainment brand is not going to be part of their normal foray once whatever deal happens goes through. So not a big surprise, but for those of you that not that are not in the know, gives you a little bit more insight to what's happening behind the scenes. So cool. uh, jumping into a little bit of talk on the CW shows going into Legends of Tomorrow, we've got a couple small pieces of the puzzle this week. Uh, there was an interview uh, with, I believe, who was it going through? Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I think it was a Heroes and Villains fan fest in Nashville. Brandon Routh was on stage. He did state that there are not any new uh, faces joining right now for Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Tomorrow's for next season, with the exception of John Constantine. And then, of course, seeing, uh, oh, my God, what's her name? Uh, Jess McKellen uh, come in as a normal series regular. So 
you know, he was pressed and asked if there is going to be any returning old characters coming back into play, like seeing the Hawks show back up. And he said, I'm pretty sure the Hawks are not coming back whatsoever. <laughs> so, uh, which everybody says, Oh, thank God. So, <laughs> yeah. well, here's, here's uh, in villains. Nashville is actually going on as we speak. It is this, this, uh, this weekend. Right. So this just broke this morning. Uh, and it did sound like we are indefinitely going to see Nora Dark again this coming year as well. So uh, Courtney Ford will definitely be back. Uh, and they did definitely say that Maisie, uh, you know, will be back as well as uh, Amaya. So we'll definitely see all these characters return. And there was another small little piece that we heard earlier in the week that sounds like one of the legends is going to betray the team this season, too. Uh, no even rumors or rumblings on who that might be. Actually, I would not be surprised if it is right. So because of everything that happened with uh, with Nora. So. Um, real quick, uh, well, since you brought that up, I didn't even know that was going to be in the news, but I'm glad it is. Uh, while you bring that up, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to my friend Brittany Santiago, who was the moderator for that panel, for that Legends of Tomorrow panel out in Nashville. Very so awesome. I'm sure she'll be listening to this later on this week. So uh, huge shout out to Brittany for that. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Uh, so let's jump into the film side. There's a couple things to touch base on. Not a ton, but uh, enough little pieces. Uh, so we did hear something interesting this week that apparently Peter Jackson and Weta are interested in looking at doing a uh, DC film in the near future. So uh, right now, uh, both you know Weta and Peter Jackson's team uh, and himself are right now being asked to – run the Amazon, like, like massive, big, huge, budgeted Lord of the Rings TV series. So they're not sure if they want to return to that realm or if they're considering jumping over to work on a DC project instead with Warner Brothers. So uh, very interesting, though. I'm very curious to see what Weta and uh, Mr. Jackson can bring to uh, a, a character and what what even what character that should that be. I think in all honesty, if he's going to come over, I want to see the Justice League Dark movie with him. So that would be amazing. I think that would be a really cool thing to see. So it's a who knows. It's a big who knows on what's going to happen with things. But uh, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see what happens. I think uh, Peter Jackson's a wonderful director. Um, You know, The Hobbit being what it was, I think a lot of it didn't have to do with him and more with Warner Brothers making stupid decisions. So uh, it's a big wait and see. But very much looking forward to seeing the future of that. Um, Speaking of another film, uh, let's talk about The Flash. Um, Now, a couple things broke this week, and it sounds like officially uh, that the Flashpoint story will 100% not be happening for the film, which is something that makes me very happy to hear. (laughs) Um, While I think it would have been exciting to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan to play, you know, uh, Thomas Wayne uh, version of, you know, Bruce. Uh, or not Bruce, but Batman, uh, the Thomas Wayne Batman from uh, from the Flashpoint timeline. I, I'm very happy that they're not trying to go this route because Flashpoint is something that's so just a heavily in-depth story. And I don't feel like we know this Barry Allen well enough to get involved in something that deep. So it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, I think it's John Francis Daly. Uh, and I forget his partner that did Game Night together that are directing this film. Um I think they probably just want a fresh start. Uh, Jonathan Goldstein. Sorry about that. Uh, They're probably just looking for a fresh start to be able to do exactly what they want instead of having to be shoehorned and forced into a storyline that that wasn't initially their idea. Um, And it definitely sounds like, too, uh, this whole thing with Flashpoint also breaking away also has to do with uh, from a lot of inside reports with Ben Affleck stepping away from Batman. So it sounds like it's almost all but converged, which is we've been saying for months and months and months that Ben is done. Uh, this seems like it's a, a, the final nail in that coffin. So, 
<sighs> Go ahead. Yeah, well, like I said, it, <laughs> you know what? But there is with uh, with that darkness, there is hope. Uh, Wonder Woman two begins pre production very very soon. It will start shooting in June of 2018 in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, they're going to be using the uh, shut down Landmark Mall for part of their shooting. So uh, it's a big wait and see. But like I said, they're uh, doing a couple days shoot at that mall for uh, some interior sequences and, uh, to be set up because we do know this is indeed taking place in the 1980s. So malls being a huge part of that culture. Uh, but we also saw something even awesomer, too, which was Patty Jenkins is walking away with nine million dollars to direct. And it's something that is more than I think necessary to ensure that she comes back. And she is definitely worth every penny from what she did with Wonder Woman 1. So uh, very happy to see that at least that is continuing on. While even if the rest of the DCEU may be in a rocky place right now, uh, a second Wonder Woman movie by Patty Jenkins is never a bad thing in my mind. And I think nope. this is going to be something wonderful. And again, uh, you know what? From the cinema CinemaCon stuff that happened and people's you know outpouring of uh, Aquaman and what they saw – uh, has me really excited for that trailer too. So, uh, but speaking of, uh, there's I think two more stories about the DCEU, and one of those being that David Sandberg Shazam has officially wrapped production. So, uh, like I said, we will probably be seeing a lot more of that movie at San Diego Comic Con, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see our very first teaser trailer. Uh, but this did come out officially when Zachary Levi did comment on Instagram that everything was all wrapped up. So. Uh, and last but not least, Man of Steel 2, rumored to be taking aim at a 2020 release. It sounds like there is an initial script uh, that has been submitted, and uh, they're hearing a lot of rumblings that directors Matthew Vaughn from the Kingsman Golden Circle and the original Kingsman film is one of the highest contenders right now to be the person directing that film. The other being Christopher McQuarrie from Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, so it is a big wait and see, but I have a feeling that we're going to see a Matthew Vaughn man of steel, which is in my mind, I'm all for, I, I'm all for that too, especially considering the new version of Superman we got after justice league. Absolutely. And I yeah. think, I think we're going to see something very special. I think we're, we're at this point where if Aquaman hits, well, I think that means we finally got out of the woods, but it's, you know, you never know. Um, I, I just want to be surprised at this point. Just show me something good and, make me realize I, I love it and enjoy it and just do it well, do it right. So, uh, yeah. but that does it for the news. So just on to recommendations. All right. And I know, um, <clears throat> we share this week's recommendations. Oh yes, we do. I think, um, and you know what? It's funny. <clears throat> I was thinking about this. Making DC recommendations is great, but because we focus so much on DC, uh, all the time, every week, and we cover stuff in the news and everything, I think it's almost another great morph of this podcast and another mutation of this podcast that our recommendations a lot of times do fall outside of the realm of DC. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the, you know, it, it's not our recommendations anymore. It's the palate cleanser. It's kind of like, hey, you got a lot of good superhero stuff this week. Now check out something different. Yeah. And and this one definitely falls into that. And this is one of those things, you know, I, I, I've i made mention of other shows that I watch outside of it, comedy specials, things like that, uh, events to go to. Um, I like doing recommendations that are outside of the realm of DC. Um, and this week, again, we share it. It's something we both watched this week. You've watched it twice. I'm going to start my second viewing of it this week, probably most likely today. Uh, and that being, if you have not had the chance to watch it yet, it is a YouTube Red series, uh, Cobra Kai. 
which shows the return of Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence from the original um, Karate Kid, both played by um, Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka. Uh, William Zapka, as he goes by now, and it is 10 episodes, half hour each, and they are fantastic. It is exceptional. I would say probably out of those 10 episodes, there's maybe only one or two episodes that's a little slow uh, that they fall right in the middle. But man, what a great show. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Like I said, you know, there is no lie. You could probably cut an entire episode out just from flashbacks from the original movie. But you know what? They are all perfect and poignant to what's happening in the show. Um, but really beautifully done and makes you really care about a character you never cared about before. Yeah. Uh, I, I, without question, Willie Zabka, you know, William Zabka is, it steals the show. Absolutely. And I think it's really wonderful too, that him and Ralph Macchio have become really close, dear friends in real life. And they've been wanting to do a project together for such a long time. And, you know, there's been this those theories going around forever. Uh, so even the writers looked at those theories of kind of like, was Danny really the bad guy? Uh, and to to Johnny Lawrence, he very much was. He was his bully. So we get to hear that old story kind of told through that lens. Uh, but then just kind of catching up 30 years, like th- over 30 years later on where their lives are. And for both of them, they're really both not in great places. Uh, And I think that's something that's really beautiful because you mentioned this when we talked about it briefly, it's really difficult to figure out who to root for. And I think what you're doing is you're rooting for them both uh, throughout the entirety of the series, because they're just really wonderfully detailed and in-depth characters by the end of this. And, and it's, fu- it's funny that you say that they're both not in good places. Um, it, it, we, you kind of have to distinguish, too. They're both not in good places, but in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them is very down on his luck and living in like a, a hardened life like he's struggling to make me you know make means and and things like that whereas the other one is very successful but um he he's lost a lot like danny's lost a lot of his heart of who oh, exactly and and it's funny that you know while one is down and out he's the one that finds his heart or has the heart to begin with. And the other one that's success that needs to find his heart is the one that kind of, it's almost like the roles have been completely reversed from the original karate kid. Whereas Johnny was very high and was on a high horse needed to be taken down a peg. Whereas this time around that's Daniel. Daniel's on a high horse and kind of needs to be taken down a peg. And when you see these two characters by the end of this series kind of meet in the middle, it's something wonderful. It really, really is. And you you hit the nail on the head when we were talking about it before. No spoilers, but man, the penultimate of this series is probably one of the best episodes of the series. Yeah, uh, without question. And it's just a couple sequences that take maybe no more than 10 or 15 minutes from the episode. And they're just this really beautiful, beautifully acted sequences of of seeing these rivals having to deal with their crap together and it's really beautiful and it's it's really really well executed and the fact that it got picked up for a season two man i'm so excited to see their story continue because i did not anticipate for this to be something that i enjoyed that much within within three days i've watched the series twice um so 10 hours of, of of this and i was really happy that i did I was really thoroughly enjoyed it. And man, so many, many, many 80s montages in this. 
But there are definitely moments in this that will, if you love the original Karate Kid or the original three, you will have chills. You will absolutely have chills in this show. Yeah. So well done. Um, so many great moments and I can't rave about it enough. And I will tell you this right now. I am reaching out to both Ralph Macchio and Billy Zapka's reps this week. So with any luck, you might be hearing interviews with those guys at some point on the Showcast Spotlight. And if you do, please let me know because I will uh, definitely be there for that. <laughs> all so. right. Sounds good. Because uh, I would love so much. And it's weird because between the two of them, I kind of want to talk to Billy Zabka more. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk to Ralph Macchio. Don't get me wrong. But, man, just what what Billy Zabka does with this character and the heart he gives. A character who was hated in the first movie. You grow to love almost from the start of this series. And it's a character that remains out of time for the entire series. Like, he is so still stuck in the 80s from beginning to end and but it's kind of in a fun endearing way yes uh, and it works incredibly well and it's all because of his performance and some really great writing um you know this is very much kind of a some some of my friends put it is there's some of this show that very much feels like a psa for kids but at the same time though too that makes a lot of sense because of what everything was about for the original film it was two people that needed mentors to be able to kind of get through their childhood and now you're seeing those characters as the mentor roles and how the way that they were raised impacts the people around them. So it was really kind of amazing to see a lot of the a lot of character transformation from start to finish, not just from the two of them, but a lot of the surrounding characters. Yeah. And I got to say, too, in one episode, we do see a nice little memorial to Pat Morita as well. Yes. Yeah. I think it was like episode like four or five. Uh, and that's that episode two. At the end of that episode, man, if you're a fan of that series, as I mentioned, you will have chills and you will just be ready for that show to continue on. So, yes, absolutely agree. So our recommendation for this week, if you haven't had the chance to watch it yet, uh, check out Cobra Kai on YouTube Red. And if you don't have YouTube Red, uh, you can sign up it for um, for 30 days for free. And yeah. trust me, you can knock this series out in three days, not 30 yeah, so. and it's. I think it's more than worth it just to do the quick sign-up and cancellation. Or if you really like YouTube Red, man, support it. Don't be afraid to because giving them money is going to allow them to continue to try new things like this. So really just amazing to see them kind of come out of nowhere and say, here's something you guys are going to care about. And, well, yes, you have to pay for our service to check it out. It was worth it. It really was worth it. I will tell you, if you want to get your free, you want to get your time of your free, uh, your free membership of it too. There's another series on YouTube uh, called uh, "What the Fit," and it's hosted by Kevin Hart. If you're a Kevin Hart fan, I can tell you right now, it's ten episodes. I watched all ten of these episodes. I I was in tears in eight and ten, eight out of the ten of them. I was laughing so damn hard. <laughs> it's it's Kevin Hart, and he does. Each episode, he does an unorthodox version of fitness with a celebrity. So, for example, one of them, he does boxing with a Vander Holy. It's him and Joel McHale learning how to box with a Vander Holyfield. Uh, I could tell you right now, when right before they face each other at the end and they do the whole press conference kind of thing with Kevin versus J- uh, Kevin versus uh, Joel, I was in tears. I was hysterical. Um, <laughs> he does ballet with Ken Jeong. He does gymnastics with um, uh, Kevin from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, uh, the Andy old Spice. Samberg. No. Oh. oh. Um, 
Terry Crews? Terry Crews. Yeah, I don't know okay. why I said Kevin. Um, he does uh, Muscle Beach with Kevin Cor- with uh, James Corden. Um, uh, goat Yoga with Khloe Kardashian. It's it just sounds I, it sounds funny as hell. It, I was I was hysterical. I was watching this series. I wa- I knocked it out in a day, <laughs> and um, I I was hysterical watching it. Uh, That's so awesome. You, there's plenty of other shows on there. If you sign up for that 30 day, just give them a shot. And I've been a YouTube Red subscriber for a while. So as Rob said, uh, if you like the stuff that they put out, uh, consider. Uh, staying a member and um, they're not a sponsor trust me but um, yeah it's there's some cool stuff on there for sure absolutely uh, all right now that we took 15 minutes to talk about a recommendation uh, it was worth it though it and totally I, worth it I could do an entire like 10 episode series to break down each episode of that show because man it it, it 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 could easily be done yes um all right, looking forward to next week. We just have three episodes or three episodes to talk about finale of Arrow, Penultimate of Flash, and Supergirl. But cheap plugs before we get out of here. Uh, you can find me as well as this podcast and all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com. Um, maybe by the summer, if not the summer, by the end of the year, that's going to be changing. Uh, we're going to be revamping the site a little bit with a new address, um, some new social media accounts and stuff like that. But um, that's a little ways off. So for right now, and even after we change it, you'll still be able to use that web address. It'll just forward you to the new one. So it's fine. Uh, nextlevelradioonline.com, Facebook page for that, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. The Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Time, And of course, our DC Primetime voicemail, 1-888-247-5380. Again, 888-247-5380. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought of the shows this week. Let us know what you thought about our opinions. Or if you have an opinion to share, just uh, leave us a message. Yeah. Uh, also, a, a big special thanks before I get to my plug, because I don't want to forget. Uh our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. He's the person that provides us with the wonderful tunes you hear on this show each and every week. Uh, but as for me, you can always also find me through Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. It is a monthly or just about monthly geek culture show because there's a lot involved in putting those shows together. Uh, but I think our next episode will be probably getting recorded more than likely not this coming week, but the week following. We're just trying to get some few things cleaned up. Uh, but we are going to be working uh, through a show that is all about the modern day board games, uh, which I'm really excited to be able to do. So it'll probably be a little bit different cast than you're used to. Uh, but yeah, very much looking forward to that one and uh, breaking down why people should be checking back in with a classic pastime. Cool. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, this week, season finale of Arrow, penultimate of Flash, and of course, uh, one of six episodes left of Supergirl. Uh, but I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this week. So enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed your Mother's Day with your mothers, or if you are a mother, happy Mother's Day. Uh, but in the meantime, until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.